Welcome to the Local Waste Music Podcast, where we capture the sights, sounds, and smells of the Columbus, Ohio music scene. Now, here's your hosts, Pat and Linda. Hi, welcome to Local Waste Music Podcast. I'm your host, Linda. And I'm your host, Pat. What the? Hey. What the heck was that? Uh-huh. Uh, I just got finished watching a documentary on Netflix about Miles Davis. Oh. Extremely interesting. Uh, there's a lot of things I didn't know. Um, like what? Well, he played with Herbie Hancock, was in his band. Oh. He also played with Prince, and he just evolved over time, which was, in, uh, it's amazing. You know, don't do drugs, kids. But uh, he did have an amazing life. Well, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, and I, I appreciated his m- music even more than before. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Pat? What are you up to? I have been, as always, reading some books. I'm currently into two two kind of big, thick books. Um, the first is called Ginger Geezer, and it's a biography of um, the uh, the guy from the Bonzo Dog Duda band. His name is Vivian Stanchel. Um, he's much more famous, I guess, in England than he is here in America, but it's really interesting. He's a very eccentric Englishman. Wasn't Neil Innes in that band? Yes. He, he's the guy that was with, uh, he did some stuff with Monty Python. Yeah, you know, the Ruddles. You know, and the Ruddles, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. Yep, they were in that doodog band together. And I'm also reading this really big biography of uh, Benny Hill. It's called Funny Peculiar. Hmm. And it's written by that same guy that writes those long, ex- exhaustive biographies of the, the Beatles. His name's Mark Lewison. And that's kind of why I picked up this one. Uh, and he doesn't really like Benny that much. He, he sort of... Kinda, well, good thing he wrote about him. <laughs> well, he did a lot of research, obviously, but um, he, he kind of puts him down for, I guess he stole a lot of gags or just reused a lot of jokes from, you know, uh, Variety and, um, uh. Uh, you know, old old dance hall stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so it's pretty good biography, though. It's very interesting. So that's what I've been up to. Oh, great. Now, I know uh, people want to hear about uh, our two guests today, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Tuckerman and Dave Manick Green. But first, um, I want to tell everybody about the mystery word. Mystery. Somewhere deep within the bowels of this episode, there's a mystery word that we'll be playing, and you just have to listen to it. And if you're the first listener to go to our sponsor this week, which is Lost Weekend Records. Yes. Uh, then you and you say the mystery word to the person behind the counter, you'll win the prize. Ooh. And this week's prize is huge. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of albums and CDs and original copies of Moo Magazine. Um, it'll be great. Um, and first, Linda, could you tell people about uh, how they can see the visual component of our podcast? Sure. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, at Local Waste Music, and we'll be posting lots of images and flyers and stuff on uh, Facebook, but we'll announce upcoming guests on Instagram. Yes, and we have a great show with uh, lots of good stories from both Kurt and Mm. Dave, but before we get to that interview, let's hear a word from our sponsor, huh? Hear ye, hear ye, all rise for the Honorable Judge Linda. Settle down, settle down. Defend, I say defendant Pat. You have been charged with first degree wedges in the second and third degrees. Any more degrees all up in here and it'd be a heat wave. How do you plead? Um, not guilty, Your Honor. Of course you're not guilty. 
but because of our backlog, you have been charged. Uh, you've been charged with the Manson murders, the Great Fire, Chicago, in 1871, and my phone bill. Now, how you plead? I'm incredibly not guilty, Your Honor. Well, I pronounce you guilty anyway. Have any last requests? New bomb Turks, Your Honor. Lost Weekend Records is guilty of having a great selection of new and used records, CDs, singles, DVDs, and even magazines. Located at Scenic 2960 North High Street in Columbus, Ohio, on the corner of High and Crestview, just north of the OSU campus. Easy drive from campus or anywhere. Plus, plenty of free parking. Lost Weekend Records, for all your music needs. And we're back. Linda, our two guests today have just won the Local Waste Music Award for the most distance traveled to be on our show. Today, we have Dave Green and Kurt Tuckerman, both who currently live far away. Kurt in Florida and Dave in Pennsylvania. And we're honored that they've made the trip. Thanks for being here, Dave. Thank you. And thanks for being here, Kurt. Hey, it's great. We appreciate you both traveling here. Linda, as I've mentioned on our show before, we both moved to Columbus in 1984. As a result, we missed out on seeing a lot of great bands before 1984, but one thing we definitely did see was the massive screaming urge graffiti all over campus, especially on the side of the Newport Music Hall. Our first guest, Dave Green, also known as Dave Manick, was the drummer for Screaming Urge, and in 1980 they put out a 7-inch single and their debut album, with another full-length LP in 1982. I vividly recall seeing the photograph on the back cover of that second Screaming Urge LP, featuring a full-bearded Dave Green with the left side of his beard completely shaved off. That photograph still haunts me to this day. (laughs) After Screaming Urge, Dave was a member of Great Plains with former local waste music guest Ron House. That's Dave playing drums on every recording except their final 1989 7-inch. Dave also played drums with Dark Arts, who put out their first 12-inch EP in 1986. In addition to Screaming Urge, Great Plains, and Dark Arts, Dave has been in several other bands, including Under the Influence, West Wind, Bad Afternoons, Two Men, and the Notorious Blunt Stitches, of which I'm sure we will talk about more in this interview. Dave was also in a band called Sad Facts with our other guest, Kurt Tuckerman. In addition to the Sad Facts, Kurt Tuckerman was in the bands Lazy Boys and Phantom Limb with Roxanne and Jim Shepard. Phantom Limb released only one rare 7-inch flexi-disc that originally came with book 8 of a Columbus fanzine called The Offense, published by former local waste guest Tim Anstead. Kurt often worked as a sound man for Mike Jordan and Kurt Schieber at Stashes often, uh, and 
uh, Kurt Schieber, who's also another local Waste guest. But Kurt is possibly best known for his sound recordings. Throughout the 1980s and 1990s, Kurt recorded a number of legendary Columbus bands, such as Scrawl, Human Suffrage, Vertical Slit, Great Plains, V3, Dark Arts, Painful Discharge, IDF, The Illegal Aliens, Control, and Kevin and the Casualties. Kurt also helped produce recordings by Pet UFO, Mike Rep and the Quotas, and many, many others. In addition, Kurt is quite possibly responsible for recording an insane show at Stashes by the scatological legend Gigi Allen. Kurt has graciously brought sound clips from some of these recordings, several unreleased and unheard for nearly 40 years by the world today. Linda, please join me in welcoming our two guests, Dave Manick Green and Kurt Tuckerman. Welcome. Yay. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. All right. We're very excited. I'm going to kick us off with a question. Uh, when did you first start listening to music? And when did you want to do something with music? So the big difference, like pick yeah. up an instrument or something. Who are you asking? Music. I'm going to uh, start with Dave, yeah. Yeah, my dad had a lot of Limelighters albums, and uh, I remember them. Loved them, and Peter, Paul, and Mary, the folk thing during uh -huh. the 60s, and, and I have three older sisters, so the Beatles made their way into our house pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. Um, what made you want to play drums? In junior high, we had to pick, or going into junior high, probably still grade school, an instrument to play. And a saxophone, I found out, would be like 200 bucks or something to rent. <laughs> and drums, you could buy a little rubber pad and a pair of sticks for five bucks. Yeah. So it was purely a financial decision on my part. <laughs> Later on, that probably switched around in reverse, oh. right? I mean, it, drums are, can be pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been through a few sets. So. <laughs> How about you, Kurt? Oh, well, let's see. Before I before rock and roll, it, it was just I had some ram, random records. Had Kitty records, you okay, know. Yeah, almost, right. I remember we had these records where um, you'd put a what looked like a merry-go-round on top of the record, and it was made out of a beveled mirror on the sides. Huh. And they had cartoons printed on the label that were all distorted, and you and you see this in like the eighteen nineties. They did this a lot. But when the record spun, you'd see moving images like cartoons oh, while you listen wow. to the song. Was it like shadows or actual cartoons? Cartoons, okay. but you know, to re resolve them in the mirrors, the the like if it was a bunny, it was stretched out about six times as long as it should be. Okay. But in the mirror, it looked right. Oh wow! Blew my wow. Mind. wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's how old I am, but. Would, any, any and that would play 45s or something? They were, they yeah. were 78. Oh, 78, okay. I remember the golden records. <laughs> golden books. Kids, yeah. Gold oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had yeah. to listen to those as a child. Frog and Toad. I remember Frog and Toad. Yeah. But then my dad listened to some jazz. Okay. You know, he liked Brubeck, and I thought that was interesting the multiple times and uh -huh. ended up doing that maybe way too much in my own bands. <laughs> Most of them are... They should, I, I forget, somebody said that, that they ought to call us the prime numbers because everything was in like 5, 7, 9, <laughs> 11. And it annoys people. And Not the 4-4 four, four normal rock and roll sound? Uh-uh, yeah. no, no. We, uh, we wanted to irritate people, both the uh -huh. Lazy Boys and uh -huh. at least, you know, Phantom Limb, the band, was um, 
Three Fifths Lazy Boys. Oh, okay. Uh, our singer had left, and um, and Jim's band Vertical Slit. His two guys had left, and so we they were we were a super group. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you when did you come to Columbus, or are you from Columbus? No, I I I, uh, I was from Cleveland. Hmm. Grew up there, and three days out of high school, I uh, moved to Colorado in the Rockies to uh, avoid the uh, war. Ah. I didn't like the Vietnam War, and I didn't uh, uh, fill out a draft, um, whatever the hell oh, you're yeah. supposed yeah. to do. Draft card or whatever. Yeah, and we lived in an abandoned uh, schoolhouse in uh, Walcott, Colorado, population 24. <laughs> and most of the guys left after summer when it, I mean, by October it was like 20 below zero or something. Yeah. You know, it was at 8,000 some feet in the, up by Vail, but Vail wasn't much of a thing then. And uh, so then, then I came back to Cleveland, tried to go to college, uh, Cleveland State, but it, it's a brutalist wasteland. You ever been to <laughs> Cleveland State? Uh, <laughs> I don't no. think so. No. Well, I mean, the, the hookers was the most interesting thing. <laughs> that was right next door on Chester, you know, but, but it, it was just, there was no, no life there. You know, you, you couldn't live there. Yeah. No, very few people had a room around there. Uh -huh. It was urban and the buildings were new, you know, just blank concrete and I couldn't take it. But what saved it was uh, the punk rock started to happen there about 76. Okay. And um, I knew uh, my my f bass player Dave at the time we had basement bands. He was the younger brother of um, Thunderhand Hatch, Glenn Glenn Hatch from the uh, Rocket from the Tombs. Oh, okay. And they used to practice in uh, the Hatch brothers, Hatch boys. There's three of them, all musicians, and in, in their suburban basement. So did you get to see those some of those practices? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah. We we have to sit outside and okay. Uh, Crocus Behemoth uh, looked down on us, uh, <laughs> you know, like we were dirt, uh -huh. uh, shit on his shoe, you know. That's, <laughs> everybody was sort of stuck up, you know. If you were something, you were. Yeah. But, but, uh, but we had to drive him around. <laughs> You're good for that. He yeah. never had a car back then, and he, uh -huh. so here these little kids and their sixteen-year-olds are driving him back and forth to practice and stuff. So. <laughs> but. Um, so yeah. how'd, how'd you get to Columbus then from there? Well, I Cleveland went out of business uh, during the Dennis Kucinich administration, 29-year-old <laughs> mayor, and, yeah. in conjunction with Jimmy Carter and the money thing, uh -huh. uh, and I couldn't get a job. You, you'd go to get the most low-level job in a gas station, and some old man would run you off. You know, hey, I got yeah. a wife and a family. Get out of here. Yeah. And, and I heard Houston was booming, and my bass player... Sheridan was down there, and um, and uh, this other guy, Mike Campana, and he said, "I can get you a job the day you get here." And it was booming, and I got a job. I, I got there on a Saturday, and I drank heavy. And Monday morning, I had a job. Uh -huh. And the next day, I had a, a, a single bedroom apartment, and I was a maintenance man for this apartment complex. There was a number of us, and we all had free apartments. Wow. And I rolled my motorcycle right in the front door, and I never thought I hit, <laughs> hit the jackpot. But they left after a couple of years, and um, Houston, it, it's a rough uh, environment. It rains all the time in the winter. Okay. Dismal winters and hot, humid summers. And I wasn't used to that yet. I'm used to it now. But 
I moved back uh, to Cleveland momentarily, and then I found out Jim and Bob Leach, my future Lazy Boy singer, and Mark Nathanson, my drummer, they were all around the OSU campus doing one thing or another. And so I, uh, Bob Leach called me and said that uh, he recited some of my lyrics at Bernie's Bagels uh, <laughs> with a guy named Matt Newman uh, playing the uh, guitar and okay. got a good reception, which I thought was huh. unbelievable. That yeah. It's not supposed to happen. <laughs> and so, so that's how that started. That and, lured uh, you up to Columbus then? Yeah, and first thing in the door, I saw Nowhere 79, uh, and Shepard was playing with Vertical Slit, and they were so good. Yeah. And so I stayed. Okay, great. Yeah. Dave, Dave, how did you get to Columbus? Well, I was living in Appleton, Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, my senior year of high school, my dad took a job in Chillicothe, Ohio. Uh-huh. So I had to spend my senior year of high school in, in Circleville, Ohio. <laughs> so the day after graduation, I went back to Appleton trying to get the band back up in uh it didn't, yeah. and I was riding my bike about four miles or so to work, and it started snowing a lot. Yeah, and then I thought, well, you know, I was going to take a year off before attempting college, but I thought maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, so I went to Ohio State. Okay, what year was that? Uh, seventy-five. Okay. <clears throat> now, did you bring your rubber pad and and sticks with you? Uh, no. Um, yeah, by then I had, you know, a different set anyway, but, um, but after four quarters there, they said I was a junior and had to declare a major. <laughs> after and, four quarters? Yeah. Junior? Okay. I got enough hours. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. That's a heavy, I, that's, I know. That's a heavy load. And I took, you know, yeah. pre-law, pre-med, anything I could uh. think of looking for anything I'd want to study for another two years. Yeah. All I want to do, no, I just want to be a rock guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I quit. And of course, got okay. cut off by my dad at that point. Okay. And, uh, so you quit, you quit OSU to, to focus on music? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was the first band you were in here in Columbus? Uh, I think Under the Influence. Okay. Do you remember who all was in that band? Yeah, Dave Davies, uh, Freddie Heater. You know uh, him as uh, Fred Har- Hartel. Okay, the name sounds familiar. But yeah, he's still yeah. in town and okay. still playing around. Uh, Roger Lehman. Wow. He he played piano, bass, guitar, but uh-huh. something happened debilitating. Uh, and a girl, Jennifer, but I do not remember her last name. Uh-huh. Was it sort of a folk band or country? No, no. It was oh. uh, mostly like country rock. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Dave Davies could play fast leads. and uh, yeah. yeah. It was a fun band. Okay. And where did you play at in town? Do you remember? <sighs> like what kind of venues? God, they both... Fred and uh, Dave both worked at group homes back then, so we we played oh, like some ho- of their parties. <laughs> yeah. When you say group homes, what do you mean? Like uh, for mental. Okay. Hmm. Facilities. Yeah. yeah before yeah. they 
closed them all and emptied them okay. on the streets. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stories about that too. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> well, let's let's real quick. Let's take a break and listen to first the Lazy Boys, and then we'll come back and listen to something from uh, one of your bands, Dave. <laughs> Okay, we just heard Lazy Boys uh, with violence, and it sounded like that was a live recording. Can you tell us anything about that, uh, Kurt? Yeah, that's Mr. Brown's, the only place that everybody played initially. And um, uh, Tim Anstead said we were the first group that ever um, auditioned for him. Oh, yeah. We, we were living in a condemned house at 499 Chilcoat, and he came up to listen to us. <laughs> I don't think he understood why we were auditioning. He didn't actually do that for any other band, but we, <laughs> we wanted him to hear songs like that. Okay. You know? and, um, and what about that song in particular? Well, just that, you know, it had, for the time, um, possibly controversial lyrics. Yeah, it sounded like a Thanksgiving gone wrong. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. But uh, who who wrote that song? That that was Glenn Hatch. Okay, uh, yeah, from Rocket. Rocket from but, the Tunes. But he he never um, recorded it himself. Okay, and that's our only cover, Lazy Boys only cover. And um, uh, first, the Lazy Boys. You know, we were all from Cleveland, just high school buddies and junior high buddies, and and we wanted to be offensive, uh -huh. and we were trying to learn how to do that. <laughs> And so I had just built a 250-watt guitar amp, you know, a Marshall's 100 watts. <laughs> and it was, there's a picture of me, I think you have it, uh -huh. using it with Phantom Limb. Yes. It's barely put together. I never even got the box for it, maybe. It was just the <laughs> circuitry. And so I, I, we, I had it up all the way. And Jim, all he had was a practice amp, and so we rented an acoustic 370 watt um, bass amp form with four 18 inch speakers okay and had that cranked all the way up and, <laughs> and all the bikers left you know the bikers used to be in there for the uh, afternoon cocktails okay and whatever yeah. they were doing <laughs> and uh, they left 
And uh, Tom was mad about that. And then when we actually played, the police came and gave him a noise violation ticket. <laughs> Tom's the guy who owned the place. Is that Tom, right? Tom, yeah. Okay. Tom. And the sound man was six-pack Jack. I liked him. <laughs> but he could be tough if you mess with him. So okay. don't so, mess with Jack. So um, who all was in the Lazy Boys then? Well, it was me. And then um, um, Bob Leach was the singer. Okay. And um, he had lured me to Columbus saying, you know, Matt was... Yeah, Matt Newman. ...was yeah. jamming with him. And uh, and then um, Mark Nathanson was the drummer, and um, and Jim Sheridan was the uh, bass player. And okay. we, we were all from seventh grade on. We were friends. Yeah. And that's how it all happened, just school kids. The mystery word is homework. So Dave, tell us about how some of your, uh, what's like maybe the first band that you were in that recorded some things? Do you remember? Uh, Would that have been Screaming Urge or did you record yeah, before that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, tell us about Screaming Urge then. How did they get together? Well, I was on salary with a country band at the time. Who was that? 200 bucks a week. I don't even remember <laughs> okay. the, yeah. the band. That's pretty good, though, but 200 bucks book, a week. We'd buck into a club for a month at a time uh-huh. and play for the same seven people at the bar. <laughs> and I was just bored to tears. Uh huh. Was that at the Cavern Club? Somewhere in Reynoldsburg. <laughs> okay, I just Reynoldsburg. know. Okay. But, I'm just uh, being a reference. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So you're bored then, to tears with yeah, that. Yeah, and somehow I, re- I think Mike and Mike put up an ad, probably at the string shop, looking okay. for a drummer. And that Mike Rock and Mike Ravage. Ravage. Okay. Yeah, so I got a hold of them, and they said they had like 100 original songs. And, wow. And they travel down to Texas and back every year. <laughs> and so I'm listening to their songs, and I have absolutely no idea what to do with this music. <laughs> Never heard anything like it. Yeah. Now, what year are we talking about? Uh, 79. 79, okay. And they'd be, it'd be like 12 different chords in each song, and they'd have a hard time remembering the order. And <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. weird stuff. Now, there was, I, there's a video um, uh, I, I saw on YouTube of, uh, of two songs, and one of them is ho- uh, the song Homework. And it looks like Mike Rock, the bass player, is going nuts, like running around. And I don't think he even had a strap on his, no, on his bass. No. And he, was just, he was just holding it and, and going crazy he during would, this video. Uh, when we play out, he would put yeah. every ounce of energy. We, yeah. There were only 30 minute looks, sets, but he'd uh-huh. be rolling on the floor. He'd take on a wall, just start <laughs> banging his shoulder, you know, running into it, yeah. full contact. And, uh, wow. Yeah, it looked it just... It looks exciting. Not on stage. Yeah, and and so I guess you passed the audition. Were you auditioned? Is that the deal? And and you got in the band. Yeah, yeah. Following Mike's energy, I didn't know what to do. So yeah. I figured the Who were maximum R and B. I'd make this maximum punk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just trying to keep up with the energy from rock, and that's kind of how I developed my drumming style. Okay. Uh, Let's hear a track that Kurt brought called uh, "You Make It Hard" by Screaming Urge.
Screaming Urge with You Make It Hard. Dave, um, I think that's from your second album, right? Yeah, the Screaming uh-huh. Urge album. Can you tell us first anything about the recording and then secondly about that beard that you have on the cover, the back cover? Or half beard? Half beard. <laughs> yeah. The album we recorded um, in the house I was living at, the Hatton Brothers owned it. Okay. And... <clears throat> So it wasn't got, really in a studio, it was in a house? No, yeah. just in the living room. Okay. Uh, I, gave, I gave the guy who recorded it a bottle of scotch to record <laughs> it. Uh, Rock went across the street where Kurt was living yeah. at the time. I didn't know they were over there okay. <laughs> until they started banging away. And asked okay. them if they wanted to come be an audience. Oh. And we just wanted it to sound like we were playing like a small coffee shop or okay. something. So okay, they, gotcha. they'd be applauding in between songs. Uh-huh. But uh, Rock, I think he forgot he has a microphone right in his face. And he's all, whoa, yeah. You know, <laughs> he so, was, so we had to yeah. edit out, uh, you know, all of that. All the audience, the, the people that you tried to get the in. fake audience. Okay. Yeah. So we just did two takes of each song and okay, it was the yeah. best one. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> then it was mixed at Music Hall for another bottle of scotch. All right. So, yeah. And wow. then he, he sent it to uh, Sterling Sound to have it mastered. Oh, fancy. Interesting. So okay. the whole thing only cost me couple bottles of scotch <laughs> perfectly good currency back in the <laughs> 1980s yeah. at the time with the inflation it was probably a good investment yeah. it's like gold bullion you know <laughs> yeah, yeah so what's what's with the you when you shaved half the beard what what was the reason for that or well i didn't i didn't even know we were a punk band i've been uh-huh. other people labeled us that okay but punk i thought of like people who could barely play their instruments. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. you know, yeah, punk yeah. was a rebellion against the million mile an hour guitar players. Mm-hmm. And yeah, where do you crap. go from there? You right. know? So, Virtuosos. So it's stripped down. Uh, like I said, I didn't understand it, but I wanted to look weirder than just the English guys with the big orange or green uh, mohawks. Uh, yeah. So I just did that. I shaved off. An eyebrow, half a mustache, half a beard. <laughs> now, did you do it just for the album cover? No, no. I when we we would go down to Texas, they were they weren't lying about that part. We'd go down and play and hit places along the way. Yeah. And I'm just trying to sell records. I think they're going to remember 
Oh and yeah, I saw you. You know, I remember the drummer. Like, <laughs> did you get hassled in Texas? It seems like that would be something that might be pretty no, outra- outrageous for Texas. Getting to Texas was hard. Okay. Yeah, you know, we played in Louisville. Uh, we did, I think, three songs, and the owner said, "Yo, that's enough." <laughs> 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 I'm in the bar. I'm wearing my slippers and my bathrobe, uh-huh. which I used to do. Okay. I wear a red one-piece wrestling suit and. Because I'm going to be yeah. there all night. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I may as well be comfortable. <laughs> right, yeah. He said, you can't come in here like that. <laughs> well, Today I'm, people I'm were, in the band. Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they stopped us after three songs. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. But no, once we got to Texas, it was wonderful. They had punk, actual punk club, the Hot Club. Okay, um, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember. Dallas. I can't remember. But uh, I remember there was a band from But Texas. once we got down there... It, it was fine. Okay. That's weird. I would have expected the opposite, kind of. Like but I'd, I'd do that at least a month ahead of time for, you know, the the, the beard thing. You mean before you left for, for the tour? You yeah, know. just to toughen my skin. And <laughs> did, did, did people give you a hard time in Columbus? Not really. No? You know, I, okay. I, one summer, I just left it go that way for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, hey, like your beard. You know, <laughs> I just say thank you. you know? yeah. It doesn't okay. matter if they're being Columbus people are generally, generally people are friendly. All right, let's, uh, let's hear another track. Okay. Um, and let's go with, oh, should we jump to the blunt stitches yet, or should we wait a little bit? What do you oh. think? Nah, let's do it. Okay, and, and that There's will always leave. time for the blunt stitches. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's blow our wad right now. Okay, um, here's blunt stitches with hips. <laughs> That was the blunt stitches with hips, and maybe the fuller title title is "These Hips Were Made for Humping." Um, Dave or Kurt, can you tell us anything about this song and, and who's in it? Who's on yeah. the Who's on the recording? Uh, well, Chuck Kubat footed the bill from okay. Magnolia Thunderpussy. All right, and uh, it was the blunt stitches, Dana and Arliss and uh, and Jay Castle. Yeah. Okay. And Screaming Urge, we were the backing band for that. Okay. Um, so Arliss, I've heard her name before. I think Matt Campbell uh, on a previous show was talking about Arliss. What can yeah. you tell us about Arliss? Uh, okay, <laughs> well, go. This will all be censored. Yeah, <laughs> cut it out. Well, 
she'd, you'd see her in a bar. She'd walk up to you, hey, let's change shirts. You know, okay. She wants my T-shirt I wear. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. She's not going to give me hers. So, yeah. She was a hoot. Yeah. A, she was, know, when she was sober, one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. But, Jim. But yeah. very hard to find her in that state. Okay. All right. Yeah. But she, so, she okay. had an alter ego uh, with a couple of drinks or whatever. Right. Okay. Uh, and um, I, I always found her entertaining, but you did have to watch her, you know, when you let her in the house. Uh, okay. Like, yeah. a, like a wildcat or something, you know. So <laughs> things, things might get knocked over. Wait, was she the singer in the Blunt Stitches? Is that yes, her singing? Uh, okay. Yeah, the lead. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she was just something, you know. Um, in the later days, um, I'd go out with her to bars because until 91, I was about as bad as her with the liquor, you know. Okay. I quit in 91, and uh, my OCD came back, and I made a lot more money. <laughs> instead of passing out at yeah. 6 p.m., you know, I'd just continue to work. Yeah, yeah. But um, she used to, we'd go to a bar, and I'd see some girl that I thought was cute, and uh, I'd usually be working sound or something. She'd go, hey, I like her, huh? And I go, yeah, and, and I'd get a break, you know, like maybe the band's taking a break, and I'd go out back, and she'd be, in my car with that girl. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Horizontal. Uh, she, st- she stole your girl that uh, you saw. All the time. <laughs> and I, I have a cut for you, but I think that's going to be in the bonus tracks or something. Oh, well, what are we talking about? Um, 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 uh, the Last Americans? At, yeah, at the, the Last Americans at the Comfest. Let, no, let's play this. It's classic Arliss. You won't regret okay. it. Now, tell us something about Last Americans before we play it. Um, well, the L.A.'s were what Dave was describing, uh, what he thought punk should be or was. Uh-huh. Um, now, Brad, he had some experience. Brad, um, Bradley Bolocks was his... Okay, <laughs> and uh, he he was from the east side of Columbus and was in a, a a number of bands out there that were more straight ahead rock. So he knew he knew his guitar. Okay, uh, and then um, uh, Bob Cat, you've probably heard of him. Yeah, I've heard the name. Bob Cat, yeah. and uh, he was uh, the uh, um, bass player, and I believe he was uh, early in his education on that. Okay, and and then the drummer was definitely a novice. Uh, but hung in there, and that was uh, Jill uh, Hurley. Okay, Jill Hurley. And, yeah, and she was an art student, and um, but she gave it her all, and um, <laughs> and and on this recording, um, they were the first uh, punk band ever played the uh, Confest. Oh, okay. Uh, they they just were very reluctant to get into this stuff. They so they it was the first band of the first day of the '83 Confest. <laughs> okay, and I was there with the recorder. And this is called Mary Haven Sucks. Song I wrote about weekend I spent in Mary Haven. If you know what Mary Haven is, it's a lot of fun. Thank you. 
I just burped in your thing. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, I like it down here. Dick for brains. Dick for brains. Fuck you, you're a dick for brains. Security guards are dick for brains. Nah, I'm just That's right. I'm a clip for brains. Come here, Annie. I wants to talk to you. I wants to talk some skank talk. What's that? Uh, our list is saying dick for brains? Yeah, security yeah. guards are dick for brains. Everyone knows <laughs> it. And, but then you watch, he moves in for the kill. You know. Yeah. Come here, Annie. <laughs> yeah. I wants to talk to you. Yeah, that was her line with the ladies. <laughs> so she, I think she, and there's a tie with her, and you were talking about Chuck Kubat before. Um, didn't he own the Dyke House? He did. And you lived yeah. there, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us years. a little bit about that, because that's come up with, on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I, like, where was it located? 1579, Indianola. Indianola. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, should I should have a plaque. <laughs> and I yeah. think it was named at first by the residents who lived there, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everybody called it that. Yeah. They, uh-huh. It could have been the Blunt Stitches house, but it was just called the Dyke House. Okay. Yeah. So the um, band, the Blunt Stitches, lived there. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And how did you end up living there? Uh, I think. I think the Dykes had left because I, I was living in the basement. Yeah, uh, just by the furnace. It's a gravel floor. <laughs> mushrooms growing on the floor. Lit- had, wait, literal mushrooms growing yeah, on the floor. Yeah. Oh, I just wow. had a cot in, a, in this corner there for yeah. free. Uh, okay, uh, I was fixing and up. And all the, the mushrooms place. you could eat. <laughs> there is a massive octopus furnace. You know the oh, gra- yeah. gravity furnace they used to call them with yeah. all the things coming out. Yeah, and they were coated with this flaky asphalt. Yeah, or, or asbestos. I'm right. Sorry. Yeah. And when the bands would play, it would rain down on you. Oh That's on the back cover of the first Great Plains EP. We practiced in the basement. There. Okay, Dave. I think we have a listener question about the Dyke House. Um, and this is from Byron Weaver, <laughs> and he wants to know, what are your recollections, and this goes to both of you, what are your recollections of the party that ensued after a dead body was found in the alley behind the dyke house? What is this all about? Well, Dave, you were gone by then. Yeah, I just... It was a whole new crowd. Um, we were having a, a party. Well, we were always having a party, but then after one, um, in the morning, um, one of the next-door neighbors went to put some trash in the dumpster, and, hey, there's a nice rug in there. <gasps> oh, my. And he's trying to pull it out, and it's, like, awfully heavy, and then gives it a yank, and um, there's a body wrapped in it. Holy oh, my God. Shit. Yeah. Uh, then the uh, press started showing up. Okay. And the police were, you know, yellow taping and the, what they do. And we couldn't go out our door. So we were just in there drinking and looking out the windows. And <laughs> I, I remember a, a, a um, one of the news people stuck a mic right through our window and said, do you know about the dead body? And we go, yeah, we know about it. And they said, well, what do you think about that? And, and Jeff... Tabor from the gallery, he says, um, I think it's perfectly rational that there could be a dead body in anyone's trash. 
<laughs> but it's, I guess it's not really rational. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the way it wow. goes. Wow. Yeah. I used to take walks Sunday morning in the winter just to, yeah. well, when I was still, well, uh -huh. still living around the area. And one morning I saw a dead guy just fat guy in his underwear laid out over two trash cans like somebody wow. just put him out for garbage uh, yeah holy shit and then i hear a yeah. police car coming so i just oh, yeah. walked another way good yeah. Like, wow. yeah. yeah so yeah you, like you don't leave prints you never in the know snow when you're gonna find a dead guy <laughs> in the trash no. hey, Columbus, campus, you never know. campus campus was different in the 80s and <laughs> well it was a little rugged you know and and uh, really you know walking south of fifth and trying to make yeah. it to downtown that something yeah. exciting would probably happen every time yeah well let's let's uh move on real quick let's, yeah let's change the subject we don't want to talk about dead bodies yeah. the, whole, the whole show um but we do have a, a a track i want to play for i think what was uh dave's next band um mm. great plains so let's listen to this one and i think kurt i think you might have had some involvement with this um oh. this is columbus dispatch come on baby let's take a chance i left my rubbers in the other pants upon the dirt Serve it up before I work And it seems so nice That you should deliver it You're a fat boy getting old A judge that handkerchiefs control So that was Great Plains, and we do actually have a question, a listener question about that. Uh, it's from Mark Wyatt. <laughs> said, ask Dave who his favorite Great Plain was, and if it's not me, shut down the interview immediately. <laughs> 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 what can you guys tell us about, uh, yeah. one, your favorite Great Plain, and two, <laughs> about, the about this song and the recording of it? Yeah, probably the rotating bass players. Oh, okay. That yeah, way, that way I won't offend, yeah. I'll offend everybody. Yeah, that, you, you <laughs> dug yourself deeper there. Yeah, yeah the, their bass players was the uh, spinal tap type thing. You know, the spinal tap had yeah. the drummers exploding. Okay, yeah. They, they rotated through a lot of bass players. Yeah. Yeah, but you played Dave on, uh, as I saw it, every recording except maybe the last seven-inch single that they did. Yeah, yeah. So you were there from the beginning. Yep. Yeah, and any memories they, or stories? Yeah, they, about like it? I say, they practiced in in the basement, um, and I'd be upstairs listening to them. And 
they were learning their instruments pretty much when they yeah. were starting out. They, they okay. weren't as uh, uh, amazing as they are today. <laughs> so, but uh, you saw an opportunity <laughs> to go in there? And... Yeah, I thought if they got a lousy drummer, I'd have to listen to that. Oh. <laughs> oh. So I went, I went down and joined. <laughs> so it was for do yourself. Easier. It was do it for It's you. easier. Yeah. Enlightened yeah. self-interest. <laughs> yeah. And they got all better. And uh, Yeah. I mean, people knew that we we were bad until uh-huh. we put out yeah you know, the first record and then we started getting gigs and people you know oh that's them yeah i thought they were terrible you got taken a little more seriously then oh, after that yeah. mm-hmm. and you did how many records three four records yeah, and, and yeah, some eps and things yeah. yeah yeah so so uh kurt what was your involvement if any in oh. that first uh, the record we just heard well <clears throat> that seemed to be um their magnum opus in a way in that um it's still in print and i just got a copy and i haven't played it and it says remastered <laughs> well we never mastered anything i didn't have that kind of equipment uh, you so know, just mastered I, I we just mix it and i had a couple limiters and that would keep the needle from skipping you oh, know? Okay. but they were what you used to call brick wall Mm-hmm. It's just he gets so loud and then it stops. And so, yeah, now with the computers, you can normalize and peak limit and all this so easily. Yeah. And in fact, um, as an aside, all the cuts you're playing um, have been reduced to about 90 seconds Yeah. Uh, for brevity. But also I thought I couldn't ask permission of all the people on these things. So the way it is, is if you hear these on a record, it's only 90 seconds long, yeah. and you'll know it was bootlicked off of your podcast, and it's not my fault. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to hold up in court, but it sounds good. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds good. And, and uh, you know, Ron was uh, great on those sessions because... Um, you know, a lot of time, you know, we do basic tracks with a scratch vocal. That's the old rock and roll thing. Yeah. And um, and then Ron would come back, and usually he was never done with lyrics. He'd be writing up till he sang them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's remarkable. I, I, I thought I, they seemed so well structured that it. No. <laughs> no, he was working on them all the time, and he's a real bard with lyrics. Yeah. It's amazing. I've, I've heard the same thing. I'm not necessarily comparing mm. these two but i've heard that mick jagger did the same thing like he would be in the studio writing the lyrics while they're <laughs> performing brown sugar or whatever yeah. you know it's like what the songs <laughs> we'd work up and we'd play them out he'd, he'd, he'd sing completely different lyrics sometimes <laughs> to the same song because yeah. he's still playing with it yeah. deciding what to do <laughs> see what know. fits but once once we recorded it then it would that's how the song went yeah okay right yeah with once the, you once uh, you get it permanent some things up the, the last album uh-huh. uh, it was hilarious because we had recorded all the music uh-huh. and I didn't I had no idea what the words were going to be to most of those songs so the first time I heard that was yeah. when he went in and recorded them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so the band's kind of surprised but what yeah. they got well, there there's some doozies on that yeah album. yeah. Yeah, that that record, uh, <clears throat> Born in a Barn, mm-hmm. that was the uh, m- most expensive record I de- ever did it, um, in total. I don't know how many hours. It was a billion, but I think I got $600. <laughs> and, um, 
and we really, you know, all of them worked so hard on it uh, to make it great. And yeah. I think it was. Yeah, and I, I really like the uh, effects on uh, Matt's guitar. In that thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I had gotten in in 81, I think I got a effects box from the string shop. It was analog, but it had like a bunch of stuff and different buttons, uh-huh. and that was amazing. had a big, thick cord that went from the foot thing to a, a brain elsewhere. Okay. It was really cool. I still have it. Oh. But, um, yeah, we were, he, he used that a bit because um, I don't know if he had any, he probably had a fuzz box or something. <laughs> he didn't like to use. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Distortion. Yeah. yeah. It, well, he, later on he did. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen him recently. <laughs> wondering why the guitar sounds thin. So, well, <laughs> you don't use any effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing used to be that, um, Guitar amps were made by old engineers to not have distortion. Right. Yeah. And they, the um, the thing that people liked to do was to crank it up the amp all the way, but some amps were clean anyway, like even the Marshall Stacks. Yeah. They were clean as a whistle. You had to get more volume into them. Okay. And so that, thus came the hot pickups. Oh. And everybody on stage saying, my guitar doesn't sound right unless it's really, really loud. Uh, you know, I yeah. did a lot of sound for Willie Phoenix, who I really admire, uh-huh. uh, but he had to have his amp up loud. And it, it's that same thing. The old amps didn't have a a gain stage, they call it now. Right, yeah. Two knobs, gain Pre-amp. and volume. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's where you overload the preamp into the main amp, and the distortion occurs there. Okay. But they yeah. didn't have that. Yeah, so they had to make it some make other it way. Out. Yeah. 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 Screaming Urge, Mike and Michael both had their amps on 10 all the time. <laughs> the drums were never mic'd back then. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. No, yeah. I'm yeah. using marching sticks, the biggest, heaviest, yeah. fattest ones I can find. And, so you have to play louder. And destroying my yeah. kit because, yeah. you know, cymbal stands are all cast aluminum. They're not, yeah. you're not supposed to use marching band drums. To... <laughs> no. I remember you had those thick ones. Yeah, they usually the PA was barely adequate for the uh, vocals. Okay. Alone, even at Browns, and so you tried to get your amps to be big and the drums big, and then just use the PA solely for vocals and maybe get a mix. But yeah, you know, good luck with that. You know, it wasn't always good. Let's switch gears real quick. I want to play a track that uh, Kurt provided us that uh, features Dave on drums. It's a band called Dark Arts, and this is Skins.
So we just heard Dark Arts, and we have a question about that from Lizard McGee. I remember seeing Dark Arts. Please ask Dave about the recordings and Columbus shows. Dave? Okay. Uh, <laughs> recordings. How did, you, how did you record that, that song right there? That was Kurt. Oh, okay. He recorded Dark Arts. Um, yeah, it was a fun band. Bobcat came up with the idea of, you know, almost a year ahead of time. He was putting flyers saying, coming soon, Dark Arts. <laughs> I love that kind of he shit. He picked everybody, you know, he wanted to be in the band. Okay. And, uh, Bob was playing. The idea was it'd be mostly bass and drums, just uh-huh. pretty primitive stuff. And uh, and is that you on drums on this track? I we didn't. Nobody. We didn't have a kit or anything. It was okay. all homemade uh, plastic pickle barrels, fifty-five gallon steel drums. Wow! Oh, cool. Uh, just pipes from the hardware store for chimes. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I played acoustic guitar mostly in that oh, band. Oh. Okay. Um, and bongos and. Uh, okay. Bongo. I remember the bongos. <laughs> yeah, little Fisher Price. <laughs> xylophone thing you know nice yeah. every kid had one of those yeah, yeah i do solos on that sometimes so we, live you'd play this would happen live oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, cool. had, we set up a card table with all kinds of toys just different percussion <laughs> things and anybody could yeah. walk up and pick oh, up anything yeah. if they're not oh you know, but, uh, where did you play at around town a lot of places um God, we opened for the Cocteau Twins. That's right. Really? At the Newport? The Newport, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they only had three shows in North America. And yeah, so now we very got, few. Yeah. We got that one, so that was great. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Yeah, I, I was in on the uh, sound uh, for that. I wasn't the sound man or anything. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but I uh, brought my half-track tape deck, and I recorded them the dark arts okay cocteau twins told me you know no way <laughs> yeah right but um yeah I, I, it was jordan and jordan was with um a group of other um guys that had a sound company they teamed up for a while and were doing bigger shows yeah and uh the newport's a really tough place uh, for sound okay and i'm surprised when i hear them later they sound way better than i thought at the time okay they're so boomy you know uh-huh but, uh, yeah, it's a big, big boxy kind of room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. High, high ceilings. Oh, yeah. you know, they, they were made for no PA in the day. They, you know, made oh. made where your voice would project and have like two seconds of reverb on it. Yeah. So you get an amp in there, even a low, you know, not too loud. And it's just all over the place. And, you know, try to get a band to turn down. Yeah. So, you know, the dark arts actually were better than most yeah. in that regard because they weren't very loud. Nope. Okay. Stashes, we did a show there. The Encore, I remember, uh, brought out a gasoline lawnmower. 
started it. I mean, yeah, and we're all just making noise and things. And who, brought, who brought the lawnmower? I, I'm not sure. That's but a, I used to drive the van around, and yeah. if I just saw something, I'd go out and pick it up. Hey, this would... This would be fun to beat on tonight. Yeah. Know, the show. That could have went horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, I don't think the band, yeah. they, they didn't really know for sure what was going to be there uh-huh. to play. Oh, wow. A little different each show. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like a great idea, just all the different different ideas happening. Just you're driving to the gig and you pick up a lawnmower. <laughs> well, no, I know, a lawnmower. Yeah. Yeah. I picked the soundboard out of a piano and then realized that was too dangerous. Oh, without yeah. the yeah. frame around, you that, take the that wood could off be the brutal. wood, it'll break on you. Yeah, <laughs> so we didn't use that, but, um, but yeah, it was a fun band. I mean, uh, about what year are we talking about that maybe this was recorded? Do you remember? Boy, uh, probably in the '84, '85. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Bill Bruner from. Uh, Great Plains. He played bass, and Bobcat played bass. Uh, uh-huh. Who's singing on this? That's Sue Ann Niven. Mason. Okay. Mason? Sue Mason. Ann. She might have changed her name. No, no. Well, the Black no. Swan. Black I, know. Sa- I never Black know Swan. people's names. <laughs> <laughs> she went by the Black Swan? Is yeah. That, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, they even had a song where they introduced each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have a couple questions. Um, one from Matt Wyatt and Beth Thacker Weaver, who had very similar questions. Uh, this is for Kurt. <laughs> oh, uh, what was the craziest show you ever saw in Columbus, or did sound for in Columbus? And was it Gigi Allen? <laughs> oh, oh, Matt, he he he's poking me with a stick there. <laughs> well, let me see if I can go as fast as I can this through this. Be short and sweet. <laughs> It'll be short and sweet. <laughs> That's that's what he said yeah, at the beginning like of the, the show. show. And oh. It, oh, it was short and sweet, all right. You know, I put the entire... Was it sweet? <laughs> yeah, I ended up putting the entire show on a seven-inch record. Oh, yeah. Start to finish, including intros. Yeah, well, actually finish to start, right? Wasn't it a reverse yeah. record? I remember hearing yeah. about that. Well, you know... Um, I still have that. I think. Oh, good! Yeah. You can get yeah. some money. You got to put the now. needle on the label, and it rotates. Right, wow, that's so cool. To the way yeah. out on the inside, and it rotates, yeah. and it goes out to the outer yeah. edge. Yeah, see, I don't know. Early in the '80s, uh, you know, Gigi started making records like um, mid '70s. Yeah, okay, and um, with the Jabbers, uh-huh. um, such great titles as "Eat My Fuck," <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> The, there was a sampler record, Action Island did a 7-inch that had way too many bands on it, but one of them had a Gigi cut. And I said, holy crap, listen to that. And, you know, lyrics are yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting to an immature person like me. <laughs> and and I said, God, I wonder if he ever gets around. Didn't know a thing about him, you know. And then, oh, I don't know, uh, we... A little bit later, um, uh, you know, in the 80s, uh, we'd heard um, Gigi was in town. He didn't have a gig, but he was in town. And I'm like, where? Where's he at? You know, and 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 Kevin Casualty was quite interested in him, too. And so we were trying to find him. And then he knew somebody and somebody knew somebody. And they said he's he's playing this carriage house. That's 
those big old garages behind the Victorian homes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You used to have a carriage and your horse back there. <laughs> yeah. And so he uh, he found out enough about it, and we walked down there, and sure enough, there's a bunch of dopes like us standing around. <laughs> you know, is this going to happen or what? And Gigi showed up, and um, I had a couple of 40s, so I hand him one, and we drank those, and and then... We walked up to the corner, used to be a, st- this is on the south end of campus, like maybe maybe 9th Street or something, if that's okay. a house, a yeah. thing with houses on it. It was above Browns and below okay. Mamas in that area. Uh-huh. And um, and we went up to the store, and, you know, his, his appearance is disturbing to some. Yeah. And so he's getting a lot of looks, and um, then we went back. Drank, I bought a bunch of 40s. I don't know okay. if it was a case or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, 40s was the thing. Right, yeah. And uh, and this was just in this little room. It was ridiculous. You know, maybe 20 people. It would If you put 20 people in, the guy couldn't hit the drums. Yeah, yeah. And, and it sounded awful. There was no PA. But, you know, <laughs> it had the standard GG things. And we were all, f- you know, fans of his. And um, he... Uh, um, uh, our a friend of mine, Wild Bill, um, got too close, and so Gigi picked on him and broke his nose. <gasps> Whoa! Yeah, you know that's don't it, get too close to yeah, Gigi. That's the risk. Yeah. I always recommend that. So this but, was just in a house. This, this was in a house. Okay. So that show was over, and um, that was that. And uh, you know, I never thought I'd see Gigi again. Was glad I saw it. <laughs> Dan Dugan calls me on the phone. He goes, Kurt. I'm having Gigi Allen do a show. And I said, well, you're <laughs> fucking nuts. <laughs> and I said, are you aware of what he's like? And he yeah. goes, yeah, yeah, I heard he gets rowdy, but he won't, you know, he won't pull nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't know about that. <laughs> and um, he said, will you do it? And I said, well, I'll do it. But back then, you know, I would haul a whole system into his club every time we did a show right yeah they didn't have a standard system in the yeah a house system yeah Yeah. none of the clubs did really except for ruby tuesdays had one early on yeah but you still needed to bring the board and the mics but wow but stashes had nothing and so it's it's like 2 p.m to 4 in the morning to do a gig yeah i said well i don't want to do this for 40 bucks like the old days i want a hundred dollars this is gonna be a challenge you go hundred (laughs) dollars And forget it, right? Yeah, I yeah. said, good, forget it. Yeah. I'll, I said, I'll buy a ticket. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Support the cause? Well, to yeah, see the damage, yeah, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. But so, uh, but uh, he finally called me back, and, and he said, um, Kurt, no one else will do it. <laughs> I'll give you 100 bucks. I said, okay. And I, I see, I sort of knew Gigi. Even if he didn't remember me, I, he sort yeah. of pretended he did. Okay. And he got there, and he had this big gaping wound on his knee, just Oof. hanging out, and the tissue you could see is um, uh, the uh, kneecap. Oh man! And, oh yeah, yeah. And in the in well, anyway, I'm jumping ship here, but <laughs> but so he's he's looking like hell. He smells like hell, like he did. And I said, Gigi, you remember me? Oh, yeah, yeah. How you doing, man? And, uh, you know, we talked a bit, and I said, I got all the gear set up. You just guys get up there and uh, sound check you. And I don't think they even wanted that. Yeah. And um, what was the name of that band? Um, 
Cattle. That okay. was a warm-up band. Okay. And that singer, Chris, eventually, uh, well, again, I'm jumping ship. So, so, you know, Cattle plays, and I talked to Gigi and the band some more, and I said, you know, the, of course the bar owner's worried about damage, and I'd hate to see you lose your money on this to yeah. the damage. And he said, I don't worry about it. He says, we need the money uh, to get gas to go to Florida. He says we're gonna do something big down there, and uh, and um, he uh, also said that they needed some drugs, <laughs> okay. and so they really wanted the money, yeah. in other words. Yeah. And so um, cattle played, and I don't recall much of that because I was busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, but then, um, and so they get on, and um, I before they started, I went to the bathroom. That's okay. something you yeah. usually do when you know you're going to yeah. not be able to move. Right. And I went up, and there's a guy in the bathroom, and I'd seen him at one of the front tables wearing a cowboy hat. And he had a nice little prim little girlfriend. Okay. And so we're in the bathroom, you know, you stand next to each other in that scuzzy bathroom with stashes, <laughs> and he goes, going to be a good show? <laughs> and I said, yeah, and he, he says, I got me a seat, me and my girl, right up front. Oh, no. I said, I seen you up there. I said, I, I would recommend you move back. <laughs> I said, you don't know nothing about this guy. He goes, oh, we'll be okay. I said, no, he, he, he'll he probably be in the audience before you know it. Yeah. And it's going to be something you, better to see it than to experience it firsthand. <laughs> well... He yeah. stayed. Yeah, okay. And uh, they did, they opened with, well, he said, I'll make this short and sweet. And he did like one song. And then the next song, um, he just took a flying dive at that table. Oh. And he just flattened all the drinks. Oh, my God. And he flattened the two of them. Everything flat. <laughs> And they're getting up, and he's like swinging at him with the mic. He's, in, you know, yeah, wild animal thing, and uh, and of course they're running for the door, yeah, and everybody else is running for the door. And <laughs> place really opened up a lot, a lot of room to see after that. I could see what was going on. Was and, it a little crowded though? I mean, oh, it was packed. Yeah. Okay, yeah, All it was right. packed. And um, I, I remember the only guy up front. Uh, uh, still up front was Bill Bruner. I was going to yeah. interject. <laughs> Bill Bruner went to that show. He was, was right up, up front, front with his beer, and, and he's going, he go, goes, Gigi, go! <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns around, and he sees everybody else is as far back as they can get. <laughs> so they're still in the club, but all the way to the back. Oh, no, well, no, yeah. there was a mad exodus out the okay. door. Okay, you, yeah. you met, And they you were forgot. looking through the windows, <laughs> like you. over my shoulder at the board, you know, and everywhere there was people peeping. What's he doing now, you know? <laughs> you forgot to mention he was completely naked at the end of the uh, oh, first, yeah. first well, song. Did I have to mention that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, but, yeah. Well, he, he started the show with just um, um, this 
scuzziest uh, cutoffs, jeans cutoffs. Yeah. And, you know, and he, he did a nice talk about his wound and he was making it move like a mouth, you know. God and, damn it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so. That's uh, crazy. But, but when he flattened the table and the song was over, uh-huh. if you crank that. Um, recording? Recording way up at the end, uh-huh. that first side, you hear. That's it, Kurt. Cut it. And it's Dan running at me from the bar. <laughs> okay, yeah. And already they were doing the uh, intro to um, Dead Flowers, I believe. Yeah. Stones cover. Yeah. And um, it was starting, and I said, you know, I believe you'll have more damage if we cut it than if we keep it on. I said, everyone's gone. Yeah. His is he's. He's had his crescendo (laughs) of adrenaline. about the actual vinyl record that you made of that of that show well i want i want to tell you this uh, the show ended okay with Gigi beating the sure 58 microphone and it's got a chrome ball uh-huh. like your microphone does okay. there yeah and um he beat that into his forehead until blood poured down his face oh, man. and then he shoved it up his ass <laughs> oh my god and um and uh after the show you know that that was it they were done they said they got to go to florida yeah and um uh uh, dan took the hundred bucks out uh uh, for the mic yeah and uh i picked the mic up by the end and i turned it up and it fed back i said dan this mic still works oh no 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 and and uh he said well Put it in a corn and maybe no. it'll dry up or something. <laughs> and uh, later on, uh, I'd always ask, "Where's the Gigi mic?" <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, and, you kicked it! And they they started using it on kick drum. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. It, it had really changed the response of the mic. It was yeah. like all bass, <laughs> and kids were using it on lousy kick drums. It would make yeah. them sound okay. Wow. And people go like. Go ahead, I dare you. Smell it, and this is years later. <laughs> I never smelled it, but wow. but 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 so anyway, um, a lot of shows I'd record on a cassette. Uh-huh. Uh, if the if the band didn't want me to keep it, I wouldn't. I'd give it to them or yeah, I'd make yeah. them a copy. And um, Gigi was already gone, so I wrote him a letter, and I said I got this tape. Well, he was in jail by that time in Adrian, Michigan prison. Okay. Uh, for a um, trumped up charge, as Trump would say, uh-huh. with a young lady who, uh, according to reports, wanted to be uh, involved with Gigi in a masochistic way. Okay, yeah. So uh, he's in prison, and I wrote him and said, I got this tape. I said, I'll give you the money that I make. 
uh, maybe you need some commissary money in there because that's right, yeah. that's a big deal. If you don't have any money, you yeah. can't smoke. You can't can't even brush your teeth. Yeah. So he said, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So um, I made it called it inside outside because he's inside. Yeah. Hopefully someday would be outside. And then I I went up to music hall to cut the lacquer. Yeah. And you know I I had it on real real tape by that time and. And, and the old gentleman, uh, John Hall, yeah, he would cut the lacquers. It was all his rig in the basement. And I was real impressed with all that. I mean, I was just in cloud nine just to be in on it. Back right, then. yeah. Only I was, I had a 40 ounce in my hand <laughs> and we're, we're playing it. And we had to play it a number of times to get levels and um, Found out later that Mr. Hall is a very Christian man. Yes, very religious. I ended up working as his chief engineer for his WCVO and WCVZ in Zanesville. I built oh. that station, the transmitter site. Wow. Yeah. And so fortunately, he forgot, He must have forgot all about that. <laughs> so sorry, John. But anyway, it was pretty cool. Uh, and I really admired what he was doing. And... Um, and I said, what's the weirdest record you ever made, John? And he goes, oh, I made these horse race records one time, and um, there were four grooves on it. Uh, you never knew which one you'd get when you dropped the needle, and they put them in jukeboxes, and the race was the same until about the final stretch, uh -huh. and then one or the other of the four horses would win. Oh, so you never knew which one you're gonna never knew win. where the needle would drop. Yeah. It was four concentric grooves. Wow! And I said, "That's so cool." Yeah. He goes, "Yeah, yeah." They put them in the jukebox. The guys had bet on it before they pressed <laughs> a five or whatever. Yeah. And I said, uh, "What else?" He goes, "Well, I did one four, you know, uh, from the inside of the groove out." And I said, I want to do that. Yeah. Inside, outside, see? Yeah. And so we, it took us a number of tries. Yeah. There was always something. I blew through like three, four lacquers, and we right. finally got one that could be played. Yeah. Now, if you've got an automatic changer that lifts the needle at the end, yeah, I, I used to send out written instructions to those people because they'd write and complain they couldn't play it. Yeah. But there is a way. You have to move the needle real slow. Okay. One turn at a time, you move it a little and then drop it, or it'll reject. You know? <laughs> so that's what that was about. And I did send Gigi all, uh, more than all the profit because I didn't make any profit. Yeah. <clears throat> and he bought a lot of stuff with it. And then um, when he got out, he wrote me from a YMCA in some small Michigan town. And I sent him, I think, another hundred. Yeah. And um, and uh, he didn't like his picture, and he pasted a actually a better picture over it and sold those. Uh -huh. And those are really rare. I mean, yeah. you, you might pay five hundred for that. Yeah. But um, the cool thing was that for me was it was fully DIY from start to finish. You know, I did uh. did this recording. I met the artist. Yeah, I uh, mastered it in my own fashion on my reel-to-reel -reel, and then had all the pressing. I supervised the pressing, and then I sold them. So wow. that's, that's yeah. DIY. Yeah, front to back. That's yeah. And that was the end of part one. So many great stories. There were. In fact, yeah. there were so many great stories, Pat, that uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had to uh, cut this into two separate episodes, and we're going to be posting the next episode next week. You're darn tootin', Linda. Yeah, lots of great stories left.
All right. Yes. So tune in next week for part two.